The call for proposals for Voice Summit 2020 is available now. Having the opportunity to speak at Voice Summit will be highly competitive this year. So if you'd like the chance to be a speaker at this year's event, fill out the form at voicesummit.ai and click on Apply to Speak. Proposals are only open until January 31st, so be sure to get yours in now. That's voicesummit.ai and click on Apply to Speak. There are a lot of elements to making a voice experience great, but have you ever thought about the sound quality and engineering of the sound? Eugene Kim is a New York City-based production sound mixer and an audio post engineer, having worked with clients that include Netflix, PBS, National Geographic, Univision, and more. On this episode, he talks about why the quality of sound is important, how he goes about getting the sound just right, what equipment you can use, and why sound excites him so much. Hi, Inside Voice podcast listeners. This is your co-host, Carrie Roberts. And today my guest is New York City-based production sound mixer and audio post engineer, Eugene Kim. And his clients have included TV Land, Paramount, PBS, DreamWorks TV, Comedy Central, National Geographic, Netflix, Univision, and more. So welcome, Eugene. Thanks for being here. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me. So the reason I wanted to bring you on today is to talk about an area in voice technology that I don't think has been discussed as much. And so once a company or a brand has decided that they want to create a voice experience, they have a voice strategy, they have the UX design, the sonic branding, and they're starting to actually bring their skill or experience to life. A lot of people don't think about the sound quality and the sound engineering of a voice skill experience, and many people just tend to use the default voice of the smart speaker. Can you talk about some ways sound can be engineered for voice skills and experiences? Sure. For voice skill technology, I agree. A lot of people just default to uh, what comes stock on their phone or the device because it's essentially just a tool. Um, and I think if you want to make it a little more user-friendly or, or kind of enrich that experience, part of it has to do with the sound quality of how it's recorded. And so the sort of the analogy of if you're doing a conference call and you have to listen to an, an iPhone on the speaker, or if you can listen to like James Earl Jones all day, you know, everyone else would want to speak to James Earl Jones all day because it sounds better, but it's just not a practical thing for a device to do. So I've always thought that it would be pretty interesting for, as a sound design point, small things like, you know, on your birthday, there's a, a little sonic signature for your birthday or for a meeting. If you're going on an airplane, small sonic signatures like that. I think it's the the small nuances and textures and that sound can kind of enrich the, the listening experience. So why do you think the quality of sound and the way it's engineered is so important to the user and the listener? I think uh, sound quality is important. It's the easiest way, I think, for an user or a listener to kind of be taken out of the moment. If a picture or the image is, is strange or a little off-kilter, off-quality, I think it's a lot more forgivable. But... If there's bad sound where someone sounds distant or muffled or it's unintelligible, people are a lot less forgiving, I find. And uh, it's like this, this first immediate marker of the quality of a project, I think, is judged you know, with looks, but also the image, but also the, the sonic quality. And I think the sonic quality I've heard is um, it's the easiest way to kind of be taken out of the moment. Can you describe, like, as somebody who is doing sound design and engineering, what your process is from an audio standpoint? Like, how somebody could potentially work with someone like yourself? What does that look like? Well, I'm actually going to tape a live comedy special for um, a stand-up comic in New York. Uh, This will be her second or third album. So a typical process like this is, you know, she would tell me about the project. 
this is where the venue is, and then we'll both go down there, we'll scout the location to make sure that the recording environment is problem-free. Or if there are problems, you know, how do we mitigate that and work around that? Um, and once we kind of establish like the location is good, we'll get a good recording, then we can start working with the house engineers and get a strategy of where to put mics. A large part of that is really the client. So the client will, we've talked about it. She's told me, I want this show to kind of mimic or resemble these other shows. And she'll give me some reference points of other stand-up comic acts. Um, and based off of that, I'll watch that and try and get an idea of what sonically the client is looking for. So based off of that, we'll arrange equipment. I'll map it out for her. Like, hey, this is what, you know, in this case, like a stand-up comic, like these are, this is the way that the audience is going to react. And this is what it's going to sound like for you. Does that sound okay? And then we'll do that. And if she approves, then we kind of go ahead and uh, we start mic venue up. And then typically, once the show is done, we'll hand off files and it's off to post-production from there. So if I was going to handle post, I would get the files, all the kind of sound notes from the, the event, and then start to, we would do like a rough pass, you know, get all the pieces in place, make a kind of a rough pass, send it to the client for approval and notes. And they'll come back with notes, if any. We'll implement those and then we'll kind of keep repeating the process until they sign off on approval. So if somebody wanted to, whether they wanted to hire someone like yourself, a solo creator, they wanted to do something. Do you have any recommendations of the type of equipment that they can get from kind of the basic stuff for someone who's doing it on their own to somebody that's really looking to create this amazing sound experience for their device? Sure. The good news is probably all, you know, most listeners know is the cost to enter and set up a pretty decent recording setup at home is really, really affordable. So essentially what you really need is two track recorder, two microphones, and then two mic stands, and then kind of figure out, do I want to record at a table? Do I want the mics hanging off the table or on the table? And just kind of figure that out. But the basic setup is really affordable. I think you can get a really nice setup for around, you know, a thousand bucks or, or less. And then from there, it just gets exponentially more expensive and complicated. At the upper end of a podcast setup or home recording studio, is you would have a a room that's dedicated for recording. It's been isolated, treated for sound. It's going to have, you know, some kind of a mic cable routing system into a mixing board and the whole assortment of mics and a whole assortment of outboard gear to kind of color the sound and control the dynamics of the recording. So, you know, once you're at that point, it's like a, it's a whole build out. And if somebody is looking to uh, like, work with anyone in the audio space to really work on this setup or understand pros production, how do they go about finding someone and finding the right person for them? I think the easiest way and the most common way is to go through Craigslist, which I don't think yields very good results. I think the better way or the, the way that I've seen now is there's very, very specific Facebook groups. And they're, it's so specific, you can say jobs for audio people in live sound or in production sound or podcast recording is very specific. And usually you can post up uh, what your job or project is. Someone on there will, people like to refer other people like uh, specialists for these kinds of jobs. And I found that that works pretty well. It works well for the New York community at least. We've met before and I know that you originally were a chef and then you transferred into this audio engineering space, which is really interesting in itself. What is it that excites you about sound and audio as a whole? The thing I like about sound, I think what still excites me is that it's a it's an invisible medium. It's not something that you can really directly measure like a camera image or something else. 
I think it's a, an ephemeral kind of medium. And so there's a large part of it just called psychoacoustics, which is the way that sound affects your perception. And a lot of this is invisible. It's something that I think is intangible, but people can't really put their finger on it, but they know when it's good. And I, I like working in the medium that has that kind of effect on people. And if people want to learn more about what we're talking about or connect with you, where could they do that online? Uh, I have a website, www.829prdx.com. And has all my contact info and uh, some links to works if you're interested. Well, thank you so much, Eugene, for being here and giving us some insight on just some of the improving sound quality and things that we can do with our voice skills. So thank you. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me out again. Thank you for listening to the Inside Voice podcast. We greatly appreciate you being a part of our community. And if you enjoyed this episode or you like the podcast, we would love it if you would subscribe, follow, like, share, leave a review of the show. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, people you want to see on the show, things you want to learn, feel free to send us an email at kerry at modev.com. That's K-E-R-I at M-O-D-E-V.com. And be sure to check us out online at voicesummit.ai. Thank you. And we look forward to chatting with you next week.